Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Well, if you brought your Bible with you, go ahead and get that out. Got your Bible app, open that up. If you're uh, new to church, you're not familiar with these things, and uh, you don't come with... You don't come equipped with the Word of God. You can listen, and uh, I believe God will help you tremendously today. I hope everyone come expecting to hear from the Lord. We, we don't come to, in one sense, we don't come to the church casually. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm not talking about dress. I'm talking about heart. We come, we come to church with an expectation, because this is God's business, and this is eternity. These are eternal things we're talking about and we're getting into. And I think it would be right, totally right, for every one of us to come to church every time we do with an expectation for God to move, for God to speak, for us to have experiences in knowing Him more than ever before. Huh? Right at the same time, I think it would be wrong to come to church any other way. I mean, it's disrespectful to the, thing, to, to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, to His eternal Word. If we come without an anticipation, a great excitement inside that God is about to do something. Amen. Huh? If, if, if we don't come that way, how many know there's probably a good football game on? Say, did you really say that? Are, are you giving us that option? <laughs> well, how many know our heart's intent really makes a difference in what we experience in God? Because church is not about entertainment. It's about experiencing God's best and knowing Him and drawing close to Him. And if we, don't, if we can't accomplish that, the football game would have been just as good if the right team wins. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. If you would today, Matthew the 16th chapter, and uh, I want to begin reading here in the 13th verse. We started a series a few weeks back called the Triumphant Church. Let's giddy up and get into this some more today. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is, who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And so Jesus said, like we read, I will build my church. What kind of church are you going to build? Okay, a church is a gathering of His people. It's the called out ones. What kind of church are you going to build, Lord? It's a triumphant church. It's the kind that the gates of hell will not prevail against. So the devil will not be successful against this entity, if you will, this gathering of called out people, of believers. He will not be successful. But I've said in, uh, in different weeks already that I, I believe there was, you know, an assumption at least in saying I will build this prevailing triumphant church that we would have certain components 
that would define or describe what that church is. In other words, if I said, I've got this nice car, I'm going to drive to Nevada. But I didn't put any gas in the tank. I'm not going to Nevada. Why? Well, that's just not the complete description or picture of a car that goes others to other states. <laughs> Fuel is one of the assumed comp- components to that, right? And there are some factors involved in the church. We've, we've shared with you already the necessity of hearing and doing the Word of God, uh, of being empowered and grounded and established in God's Word. In other words, I don't think Jesus meant, I'm going to build my church, and they're going to ignore everything I say. And they're going to be prevailing and triumphant. No, we're going to do what He says. We're going to follow His Word. And without that, we'll not be what He envisioned. Okay? We, we shared with you about the, about the empowerment of the Spirit. We shared with you about uh, the demonstration of the Spirit. We don't leave that out and say, we are all God called us to be. No, not with ignoring Him in those areas. We're not. We need to be filled and led and full of the Spirit of God. Yeah? Uh, Reminding you again of uh, another word used, a metaphor for the church, is in Scripture is called the body. Uh, In fact, Ephesians 1.22, the latter part of that 22nd verse, and then the first part of the 25th, third verse reads this way reads the church which is his body the church which is his body so if I say I'm a part of the church I could synonymously say even though it gives me a little different mindset I am a part of the body of Christ okay we are if you're a believer we are called the body of Christ Um, now if you're a part of the body that means you are a body part Say it with me. Say, I am a body part. Yeah. So obviously we're not talking about your physical body. You have your body. But in the body of Christ, you're a body part. You're not the whole thing. You're not all there is. But you are a vital part and a very important part. Because when you have a body, you seem to value all of it. Right? Anybody have a body? You kind of prefer to have all your toes, fingers. You know, those, those, every part is, is valuable. Now, if you are a body, a, a, a body part, that means you also have a function. There's a reason for you being who you are. There's a reason for you being in the place that you are. To acknowledge and honor that is a God thing. To dishonor or ignore or be ignorant of it is only to our, our downfall. It is only to our, our, our suffering of, of lack. So without each part of the body recognizing that they are a body part and what body part they are, um, we're going to struggle. I imagine in a crowd this size, there's someone in the building, and you don't have to acknowledge, although first service I couldn't stop them from acknowledging. There's, <laughs> there's someone in here that's missing a finger, or a toe, or through an accident of some kind, uh, people have lost different parts of their physical body. Or some, even through surgeries, have had certain organs taken out that obviously, you know, the ones that you can live without. Um, and, and people exist that way. Now, it's not ideal, 
I imagine if anyone's lost a finger, they would rather have it. But they can get by. I mean, they can still have a good life depending on what part of the body has been removed. You take some parts out and you're just done. <laughs> right? But people can, can make it. Usually what happens is the other parts of the body have to compensate. Right? Someone else has to do more. Another finger has to do extra if you're missing one. Right? Uh, in, in, in the church, the body of Christ, if someone is not in their place, acknowledging their role, their function, acknowledging God's choice, what's going to happen? Well, it's going to be more difficult. It really is. And someone else is going to have to do your part. Someone's going to do double because you do zero. Is that okay? Can I say that? Can I be in your face? All right. (laughs) That's the way the physical body works. And we are compared to a physical body for this purpose because we can recognize and see how important every part is, how we're all needed. And the Lord says, this is the way my church is. Every part has a function, has a place, has a role. And if someone, you know, if the elbow takes off for a couple months, you notice. It's like I can't lift my forearm anymore. What's going on here? This whole part side of my body, I can't do what it was intended to do. Well, there's a part gone. There's a part that's missing. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians, if you would look there with me, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. This whole chapter actually deals with a lot about this very subject I'm referencing. And we're not going to read all the verses. I just want to read a couple. But I want you to, uh, I want you to see this and get the revelation. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18 reads this way. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. Okay, so who are the members? If someone gets saved, they receive Jesus as their Lord, they're born again into the family of God, they are called a member of the body of Christ. You are a body member. And so what does the Lord do? Specifically, He says, He places each member in the body as it pleases Him. Now, now, now watch, not, at, not because He's displeased. I don't really like you, and you kind of annoy me, so we're going to put you guys over here. And, uh, and I like you. You're going to put you... No, he's pleased that everyone who accepts him does. Very, very pleased that we're in the body. And because of that, that heart, he's pleased with us. He puts us in the best place according to his choosing. In other words, you've got this ability, you've got this gift, I've called you to do this, I've designed you a certain way, you're going to work really well right here in this area. Okay? And if a person acknowledges that, that it's of God, that it's God's design, it's His intention, they thrive and they're satisfied. But when a person says, I'd rather be over here in this spot, well, that's not who you were designed to be. That's not what God intended that's not what pleased he did he wasn't pleased to put you there he was pleased to put you here and so our starting point in this is to recognize that God is involved in and he does choose where we go what we do what we have what part of the body we are that's not up for me to choose 
Okay? It's not up for you to choose. But it is for us to acknowledge. It is for us to, to, to honor His choice. If I will honor God's choice in you, you will honor God's choice in other, in other people. It creates a real healthy body. But when, I, when people are despising one, but I want to do that, or I should be here, or things of that nature, we're interrupting the plan of God. Listen now, now this, is, this, is a, this is the plan of God. It's not just human choice. Everybody okay? Uh, some say, well, now actually look down a little bit further, okay? Uh, because people get frustrated when they get out of their place, so we acknowledge God's choice in this matter. In, in the 20th verse of this 12th chapter, look at these words. But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. So we're, how many know we're both different and the same right at the same time? Verse 21, and the eye cannot say, everybody say cannot say, to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, when he says you cannot say, doesn't mean you physically are incapable of uttering those words. He's just saying, you can't say this and be right. You're not accurate. You're not correct if you think this way, if you say these things. Why would we be told something that seems so obvious? Because we have a tendency to do the opposite of what we're told, and that's the reason we're told the right way. In other words, sometimes individuals will say, I don't know if you've ever heard this or have ever said it yourself. You don't have to raise your hand if you're missing a finger or if you've said this. Uh, I don't really need the church. I mean, I've accepted Jesus. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I have a relationship with God. And I'm just as good of a Christian, you know, in, in worshiping Him my own way, my own time, whatever I want, as anyone else who goes to be a part of a, a local church. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone say things like that. I don't really need the church. Well, according to the Bible, you're wrong. You would be incorrect in saying that. According to the Scripture, you need the other parts of the body. I need the other parts of the body of Christ. And if I, if I need them, if I can't say, I don't need them. I'm fine. I'm good on my own. Me and the Lord, we can handle anything. I don't need anybody else. If I do think that, I'm not only wrong, but I will also suffer lack. Because if I need something, that means it's essential to my life in some way. And if that's true, that I need you for me to be 100%, you know, (laughs) complete, fulfilled, thriving in life, it's also true that I'm needed. Right? Because another person also cannot say I, that they don't need me. I need them. They need me. Without that need being met, we both suffer lack. Okay? So you can see how the Lord designed it this way. And He said, now watch your mouth. Watch what you're saying. Don't be saying you don't need each other now. Don't be saying, I don't... Eyes. I don't need the eye. You know, I got one. 
Well, you might be able to get along with one, but you'd rather have two. You'd be better off. You, I mean, you, you're, you're less limited with two, correct? And in the church, it's essential that we have this mindset. Never should anyone think, I'm unnecessary. No, you are necessary. We need you. And also, you need others. And so, honoring this, valuing this is very important. Uh, amen. I know sometimes people don't, they don't say this out loud. I don't, I don't need those people. Or, uh, but they sometimes think that. They think it's not going to make a big difference in my life. No, it really is going to make a big difference in your life. That's the truth. Align your thoughts with, 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 with tr- the truth of God's Word. Uh, I mean, do you ever process and think this way? You know, I really need those people. I tell you, sometimes I might think, Lord, you and I... We can take them. <laughs> you, what do you, mean? you know, anything that comes our way. We can handle it. But then I go back to the Word. I see what He's already revealed. He says, no, you need other people too. And I know there is a calling of God upon my life that I am endeavoring and am being faithful to fulfill. And I know this as a fact. God can that I, I cannot fulfill His maximum potential for my own life alone. I know it's true. He designed that my call would require other people to be involved. Other people to be a part of that. And I think that's true concerning all of us. I think that's true concerning every single one of us. Now, recognizing what we might call divine appointments or connections, God-inspired, ordained aspects to our relationships is very, very important. And many people will go through life missing God opportunities all day long. And they don't recognize that it's God, and so they cruise right on by it. All right? They're left lacking. Others are left lacking as a result as well. Uh, Let me give you a couple examples of this in in Scripture where people missed it. Just verses that, that, that say it happened. Uh, because the word is full of people that didn't recognize something that God was doing and suffered as a result. In, in John chapter 1 and verse 11, the Bible says about Jesus that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. He came where? To his own. He came to them. He came for them. For their benefit. It was God ordained. It was God trying to help. God trying to bless. God trying to get involved with them. He came to them. But what happened? They didn't receive Him. Yikes. I mean, certainly that's true concerning the Savior. He came to me and if I reject, that's serious business. But I I would extrapolate a little further and say, I wonder if there's anyone else the Lord has brought into my life and I didn't receive them and what was his intention in that connection what did he have in mind when we came together and by me not receiving what did I miss out on or what did they miss out on consider that God is involved now I don't I don't want to I don't want to imply because people can go over the top spooky spiritual and every person they meet somehow comes to a high level of spiritual intention and ultimate design and destiny and everything happens for a reason and no it doesn't 
<laughs> All right. The fact that you went to that cashier instead of the other one. Not necessarily spiritually impacting. Is there a possibility? Sure. Sure, there is. That's why we want to have spiritual antennas. We want to be led. We want to recognize when something's God. But I'm not going to go, man, I saw that car. They pulled up to next to me twice. What's God doing? Nothing. They just sped up. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, how you can go over the top. You can go too extreme and start, start to try to interpret everything. Before you know it, you, you are superstitious. You're not spiritual. <laughs> okay. And so we want to, but we do want to have discernment because we recognize there are God elements to our lives. And He absolutely is bringing people together. All right. Uh, here's some other examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8. This, again, speaking about Jesus. It says, Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, that's kind of a big miss. <laughs> you know, back in their day, crucifixion was capital punishment. Very cruel, but that was the law, and, and some people died that way, and, they were, and it was just according to their laws. Uh, but when you accidentally kill the Son of God, kind of a big miss, I'm thinking. <laughs> that's pretty important. What You might want to be a little more discerning. Because look what it said. Had they known... If they would have known, that's Jesus. He's the Son of God. They never would have crucified Him. Wow. In John chapter 5, Jesus speaking here, John 5, 39 and 40. He's speaking to Pharisees and he, he, he says this, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Again, a God assignment, a God connection, a divine appointment, a a meeting of, of God's plan. And they see Jesus. No, we don't want that. They wouldn't receive him. They wouldn't. They, they weren't. They weren't discerning enough to recognize the God connection there. How He was there to save them, and they rejected. They resisted. He said, "You're not willing to come to me." I wonder how many things we might do different in life if we recognized there was a God element to it. Maybe some people we would treat with more respect. Maybe some individuals we would acknowledge and say, "Man, this is this is God here." This is a God thing. And we would elevate it in our own minds. And therefore, as a result of that, benefit from that relationship, from that connection, from whatever is supposed to transpire there. Whereas, too often, if we don't see it, psh, no big deal. Oh, it's nothing. It's, it's not that important. Are you sure? It's not a God thing. Because we have a history, the human race, of missing these divine uh, interventions in life. We do. Uh, Luke chapter 19, Jesus was talking about Jerusalem. And he was speaking about the people. He's talking about it. He's talking about the city, but obviously referencing the people in the city. And he's talking about how people are going to come in, surround them on every side, and take them down. 
Because they're, they're missing something here. In Luke 19, verse 44, it picks up in the middle of a sentence and says, And level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave you one stone upon another. Well, why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. You had a visit from God, and you didn't know it. You didn't recognize it. And so your city is about to be torn apart. It's not going to go well with you because you had your opportunity and you didn't know it. Ah, I don't want to miss God opportunities. I do not want to diminish, even for a moment, any connection that is of God. Why do I say these things? Because specifically, the church is what Jesus said He would build. I'm going to put this stone here and this stone here and this stone here. He said He would build it. He would personally get involved in it. So I know without a doubt that there are relationships all over the place here that are God-ordained and that we should recognize it. Could I run into someone at the mall and it be a God encounter? and, and Yeah, that could happen. Doesn't happen every day, you know. And don't go there every day. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but, but, you know, and that could happen. I, I've, I've met people in various places through my life, but that's not all the time. But when it comes to what Jesus is building in the local church, absolutely, there's God all over it constantly. And the relationships are ordained. Are ordained and, and the Lord, by His Spirit, leads people to places like this. Some of them know it's God. Some of them don't know it's God. Some of them look back over a period of time and say, that was totally God that I ended up here. And look what happened. Look what's changing in my life. And look how I met these people. And look how this happened. And look how I was able to help this individual. And you look back and say, man, God was all over that decision even though I didn't recognize it at the time. And this is what I'm, I'm challenging you today to, to see, to acknowledge, that it's not just some random decision like, hey, where should we, should we get a burger or a taco for lunch? That might not matter in eternity. But there are some other things that do matter. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, see, Jesus is called a living stone. And he turns around and calls us living stones. He said in 1 Peter 2, 5, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. What are we being built up? a spiritual house. So we are called stones. In other words, a person who works with bricks and stones uh, you know, into, into masonry. and, and uh, uh, How many know there's a, a science to that and an art as well? But if someone's going to build a structure with stones, it, they've got to be very intentional with what they're doing. You could imagine, I'm not skilled in this area, but imagine you could build a crooked wall <laughs> Or, you know, have the wrong stones, the wrong type of stones in the wrong places. And you're not going to be able to go up very high or very wide. And it's not going to be stable. It's not going to be sturdy. The Lord is building a spiritual house. How's He doing that? He's taking the right stones. So I'm going to put you here. Put some sticky stuff on there. And, you know, what? Cement or something? Uh, and I'm going to put this, I put this person here. I'm going to put this person here. I'm going to put this person here. I'm going to put them next to these. And oh, that looks good. 
And what happens when we respect that? And we honor the Lord's choice. And we don't make major decisions in our lives. I'm talking believers now. Without consulting Him. Without saying, Lord, you, you want to do something different? Because you're building this here. You are the master planner. You're building this great structure. But what, what happens when everyone's in the right place? The Lord builds this amazing thing called the church. And His Spirit occupies it. And the glory of God fills it. And it is a demonstration to the world of God's great power and love. And He is able to do amazing things. But what if we're just a pile of rocks? We have this mindset, well, I got saved, and you know, and the Lord threw me in the pile. And you know, we get to, there's that, you know, part of life church. What's that? Big pile of rocks. Big pile of stones. We just all kind of, blah. No, we're all paying attention. We're listening to His voice. We're saying, Lord, lead me. Bring me in the right place at the right time. Connect me to the right individuals. Which stones am I supposed to be bumping into here? Which, which stones am I supposed to be upon? Or You know what I'm talking about. And we're always sensitive to His leading because when we're following Him, we're in the right place at the right time. And He builds something amazing. And I tell you, the devil can't stand it. Because he cannot prevail against it. We are mighty. We are powerful. And we're, we're purposeful. There are a, quite a few scriptures in the New Testament that show us how we are to relate to one another. Okay? And this is by honoring the Lord's choice in this. He puts us together and then he tells us, now watch, this is how you're supposed to talk to each other. This is how you're supposed to relate to each other. Let, 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 me, get, let me give you this. I'm not going to read the scriptures, but I want to read down uh, this list. How does the Lord say we are to relate to one another? Number one, we are told to love one another. Number two, we are told to prefer one another. Number three, we are told to receive one another. Are you noticing this language? One another. How many know one another is not the same as everybody? You say, well, we're supposed to love everybody. Well, specifically, we're supposed to love one another. He's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking about the Lord's family, how we relate to each other. In the world, they step on each other. They climb over on each other's backs trying to get up, looking out for number one. But when you get saved, we have a new kind of relationship. And when we gather, it's like heaven. When we gather, we follow His instructions. He says, this is how the church operates. And let me, let me just keep going. Number four, we admonish one another. Number five, we serve one another. Number six, we bear one another's burdens. Number seven, uh, we are to be kind and tender-hearted to one another. Number eight, we are to forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Number nine, we are told to teach and admonish one another. Number ten, to increase and abound in love towards one another. Number eleven, to comfort one another. Number twelve, to edify one another. Number 13, to exhort one another. 
Number 14, we are to confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Number 15, we're told to be hospitable to one another. Say, what's with all the one another's? That's who we are. Body parts, living stones. We are one another. We're different parts of the Lord's family. And he says, this is how the body parts talk to each other. This is how they treat each other. That You might not have been this way before you came to Christ. Before, When you were in the world, you didn't function by this. But now, this is what my church looks like. So anything outside of this does not belong in the church. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building. You know, fight in the parking lot, but as soon as you get in... You know what I'm talking about? All right. No condemnation. Some of you fought on the way to church today. Uh, uh, but do you get the point? One another is the, bo- is the church, is the body of Christ. It's not just a building. We, we, we've established that previously. This is how the church relates to one another. Uh, what if we fail to honor the Lord's choice? What if we avoid the Lord's choice. What if we don't honor these God-ordained relationships? The body of Christ. What if we, we, we just treat it like, hey, you know, I know people at work. I know people at church. I live next to this person. And everything's equal. Everything's into one bucket, bland, blah. We just treat everybody the same. That's not honoring God. That's not respecting His choice and His, His positioning of people in life. What if we do that? I wonder what we miss out on because when a relationship is healthy both parties are benefit both parties benefit from that healthy relationship if it's not healthy someone is in lack on one side or the other what if I do not honor the God ordained relationships within the body of Christ the local church I'm going to be lacking something I really am. Or someone else is going to be lacking something. That's why I think we should always be very, very slow, slow to end a relationship that's God. When you know this is, this is, this is the Spirit of God, to end that relationship. Are you sure about that? Because what was supposed to happen in your life as a result of that is going to stop happening. What could you be missing out on by not valuing both your place and others' place in the body of Christ? Now, we can look at it real natural and practical. Think about it. Uh, Sometimes you meet people, they become, I mean, through the body of Christ, they become lifelong friends. Sometimes they become a spouse. So, well, what what if I didn't honor that God placed me somewhere? Well, you might stay single. Stinks to be you. (laughs) Not really. Some people are single and happy, and that's good. I'm just saying, what's the potential? What could be? What might be that we miss out on because we just doing our own thing? Uh, Maybe a job. Maybe you you know you you meet this person, and you know the, the. opportunities start opening up. They introduce you to somebody else and they connect you with this other person. Before you know it, you're in a different career in your life. And how did that start? God set it up. 
when he was building his house, he thought these people need to meet each other. I want to bless this person by having them meet this person, and they're going to. And God's got a master plan here, so we want to be aware of it. You know, what other way have you been helped in your life through someone, or what other way have have has someone else been helped through you? Everybody got real quiet on me. Let me try to sum up. Uh, in in short, I really believe this, that the church that Jesus is building is intentional by Him. I see it through Scripture. That He is literally leading people by His Spirit. Boop, 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 boop. We honor that in others. We say, yeah, I respect you because you're a part of God's plan. Even if you don't know what that plan is. We don't, I realize we don't always know fully whatever the other people are supposed to do. But I respect the principle. So when I respect the principle or the, the, the will of God revealed here, then I am opening myself up to see the specific, specifics of it. I respect it in my own life and say, Man, where God has me, this is my, not by chance. This is not coincidence. This is a God thing. This is a God design. I respect it. I honor it. And I allow that to flourish in me. Okay? Uh, and then the sky's the limit from there. How many know if you live this way and you stop thinking, you know, we're not, again, not superstitious, not spooky spiritual, like I said, but with spiritual antennas, you wake up every day knowing God has some things He is doing in the earth today, and I am a part of that. I'm not all of that. It's not all about me. But I'm a part of that. And so he is going to direct me today. I'm going to meet people I'm supposed to meet. I'm going to have opportunities I'm supposed to have. I'm going to value those opportunities. I'm going I'm to honor the Lord in that. And watch what can happen. But there should be some sense of, of excitement, of anticipation of good things happening, just simply because we know God is directing now, he's not controlling. Don't, don't take it that way. He's making everything happen the way it's supposed to happen. We have a choice in the matter. That's why we're talking. If it were the other way, we wouldn't say anything. <laughs> say, well, God's going to do whatever he's going to do. Amen. We're involved. Side note, pray for the election. I don't say that lightly. Say, well, whatever God's going to do is God's going to do. That's not scriptural. We're involved in this. This is our country. Could go bad. Let's have a voice in the throne room. In, in conclusion, <laughs> side journey, extra, bonus material, free of charge. Uh, in conclusion, what does it mean to be a part, to be an active part of the church that Jesus is building? I can see three things that stand out to me real clear. One, number one is that you show up. You cannot be a part of what Jesus is building by not being present. Number one, you show up. Number two is you sow into. You sow into. You're a part of what God is building and doing when you are sowing into. That's a farming term. That's, that's planting. And we're talking about tithes and offerings. The active part of the church is the one who sows into. And number three, you serve one another. 
I'm going to show up, I'm going to sow into, and I'm going to serve one another. And when a person is a part of those, they have those three things active in their life, you are a vital and functioning part of the body. You are, you're serving your purpose, you're in your right place, and it's God all over you. Others will benefit, you will benefit, and in, in eternity, you will be rewarded. No doubt you'll be rewarded for being active in the body of Christ. Amen. Father, I thank you today for what you're doing in us. I thank you for working. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.